part of what we studied last week in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 35. Yet you say, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead my case against you, because you say I have not sinned. And so one of the things that we could do in terms of doing damage to ourselves is not seeing ourselves the way that the Lord sees us. And this was a situation where people who claimed to be God's people claimed that they were innocent, that they had not committed sin. And we were talking about the fact that through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord was making his case against these people. We started last week with, or ended last week, I should say, with chapter 3 and verse 1. They say if a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and because another man's, may he return to her again. Would not that land be greatly polluted? But you have played the harlot with many lovers, yet return to me, says the Lord. And of course, you know, in Deuteronomy chapter 24, it talks about the man who divorces his wife not being able to go back and, and marry her once again. So we talk about the marriage and divorce relationship being used. We've seen the people playing the harlot many, many times. The concept of the polluted versus the pure. And of course, the many lovers refers to the idols, the different religions, the influence of other nations and cultures, the intermarriage, all those things that were taking place. And we ended last week by asking the question, can we play this game? where we proclaim that we're uh, returning to the Lord, we're following the Lord, but again, our hearts and actions indicate otherwise. So we're going to start tonight in chapter 3 and verse 2, and we'll read uh, verses 2 through 5 in a moment. There's a lot of notes I have on these sections, so I'll be interested to hear what you think. Before I begin, uh, Stuart, Julius, word of prayer, please. Thank you, Stuart. All right. Uh, Let's take a look at chapter 3 and starting off in, in verse 2. Lift up your eyes to the desolate heights and see. Where have you not lain with men? By the road you have sat for them, like an Arabian in the wilderness, and you have polluted the land. With your harlotries and your wickedness, therefore the showers have been withheld. And there has been no latter rain. You have had a harlot's forehead. You refuse to be ashamed. Will you not from this time cry to me? My father, you are the guide of my youth. Will he remain angry forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, you have spoken and done evil things as you were able. So I'm going to reverse it tonight. And I'm going to open it up to you first before I make any comments. In this section, verses 2 through 5, if you thought about it before, just read through it now, what do you see in that passage? Well, uh, again, I think Denise is completely accurate on this. And you go back to uh, verse 2, you know, by the road you sat for them, they were, they were waiting. <laughs> like in Arabia in the wilderness, they, they were looking for these opportunities. And again, as you suggest, there was no shame. It was out in the open. And we go back to verse 2, when it says, lift up your eyes to desolate heights and see. What would that be, looking up the heights? What, what would that be a reference to in context what we've been talking about? All the idols, right? The, the, the high places they're building. 
for the idols, the, the worshiping of other gods. And we know that part of God's character, part of his being, part of who he is, is he's holy and he's pure. And again, we see the contrast about their actions have polluted the lands. Denise again brings up the uh, harlot's forehead in verse 3. You go back to verse 2 where it talks about with your harlotries and your wickedness. So again, this wasn't anything that the Lord had done. This is based on their actions. This was based on, on what they did. And I like what Denise said about you know, them throwing a tantrum. They got themselves in the mess. Now they're, 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 they're asking the questions. And the Lord was always willing to return to them. And remember that through the prophets, he was trying to get them to change their behavior. But they didn't like that form of discipline. They didn't like that form of correction. It's almost like they wanted to be accepted as they were and do what they wanted to and still be, you know, okay, not be rebuked at all. So I, so I think that Denise makes several good points there. Albert. Yes. Well, and, and you bring up Mosaic. And so have we seen this repeated pattern of the people playing the harlot? And I want to bring this up. And we read some of this in, in the last chapter. Doesn't it almost sound like they're addicted? Addicted to their idol worship? Addicted to the harlotry they're playing? Um, I just read an article today, you might have seen this, about a record number of overdoses in the United States. Did anyone see that report by the CDC? And, uh, you know, it's not surprising that opioids were the number one. Fentanyl uh, was a huge source. And again, they're attributed to mental health. And I think that's part of it. I also think it's uh, society's tolerance for these types of things. And, you know, um, people sort of mock and laugh at things like prohibition. But then you see the disastrous consequences of people not being sober-minded, not being in control. And when we talked previously in other studies about they were acting like animals. They were based it on feeling and emotion. And, and can we get addicted to the point where... Again, we could try to play a role, but but it, it seems here that when they're when they're waiting by the, by the by the road and sitting, I mean, they're addicted to these things, and, and and I think that again, it's something to consider, you know, in terms of the psychology of that and, and how we could become. And again, it started off as as their own willing choices. But then it gets to a point where, again, they're not even controlling more and, and because they've given up their ability to reason by their choice. And it goes back to what we talked about in the previous chapter, when, like in verse 20, for example, in chapter 2, verse 20, For of old I have broken your yoke and burst your bonds, so the Lord had freed them. You know, like, for example, out of Egypt, and we know in Romans 6, talking about being freed from your sin. And then it says... And you said, I will not transgress. So they're saying, I'm not going to commit sin. I'm going to transgress. Like, they're thankful that they've been broken from the bonds. But then, they, but when on every high hill and in every green tree, you lay down and play the harlot. So again, part of the lesson for us is saying the right thing. Being in the right place is irrelevant and it's in vain if our heart's not right and our actions don't accompany what we proclaim. And that's clearly what we're seeing here. But, and I appreciate um, you bringing up all the way through 
chapter 6 because we're going to see this repeated over and over again. And, and to Bob's point, the northern tribe, Assyria had ruled them for 94 years. You know, and then eventually they're going to fall as a result. And what's the point Jeremiah is going to make that God's speaking through Jeremiah? You're worse than they were. And yet they were going to fall. So, again, did they think somehow they were going to escape? They, they had history. And we talk about paying attention to history and things that have happened in the past. I mean, don't we see the patterns repeated over and over and over again in, in, in God's word? And just even secular history. I mean, j- just from experience, if you study, you could say, okay, well, this has happened before. So, so this really shouldn't surprise me. But, but I think that, again, uh, somehow we think that we're above it today. We, we don't need to rely on the past. That We're so far advanced in terms of technology and medicine and intellect and all these things. But yet, when you get down to the basics, don't we see human beings doing the same thing over and over and over again, even today? And, you know, I, I brought this point up before, and it's a point that Rod made several times. Um, Edward Gibbon, the British historian, wrote years ago a book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. It's a classic. And, and again, he talks about root causes being the disintegration of the family unit, the lack of any type of morality in society, and we see these same things. And I also think about something that Bob said. You know, uh, this is the scientific world who does studies on these types of things. And go, we, we can't always rely on science, but sometimes... They could say things which are accurate. So what do we know about people in general that commit adultery? Are they likely to commit it again? That's a fact. I mean, I mean, you can look at studies. Because once you're willing to cross that line, once you're willing to break that vow, then, then are you going to take a vow again? I mean, can you tr- just logically, right? And, and again, we've talked about how serious that type of thing is. Uh, we mentioned... Uh, a week or two ago about, for example, uh, those involved in sex crimes against children. What do we know about sex offenders? They're repeat offenders, right? And yet, we, we some, as a society, seem to ignore that. And, you know, oh, you can't judge them, you can't be hard, and those types of things. And, and again, we, we, we miss what all the data and evidence tells us. We, we just seem to ignore it. And that's what's going on here. And the lesson for us is we could do the exact same thing in our lives. You know, we could get addicted to something. We could get off track. And we could, everyone thinks we're fine. But remember, the Lord knows and sees what's really going on with us. And so it's critical that we, we really look at ourselves as God sees us. Alvaro, I'll go back to Bob and some other comments. Yes. Yes. I remember... Um, David Aguilar, remember the lesson he did where he talked about uh, Alcoholics Anonymous? You remember that? We talked about and how a lot of those things were based on biblical principles. <laughs> that, but, and, and people have to get to that point. How about, how about applying those principles before you get in that situation, right? And, and, and so we would know that um, if you ask someone, you know, they won't say, I'm a, a, a cured alcoholic. What, what are they taught to say in AA? I'm a recovering alcoholic. And in other words, the sense that they're in that state, but they make a recognition that what? That they could easily revert back to another state. So, so that's sort of a fear that they use to try to keep them in line. 
And we're told similar things in the Bible in terms of backsliding. We're going to see that word coming up a bunch. Backsliding. And, and that's a term that we don't necessarily use in, in, in modern times. But, but it's important to think about what that means. And you could get a good visual there. You know, um, you ever been on a hill or something? You start sliding down. It's really scary if you're in a vehicle. If you're, 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 you're like four by and the, the vehicle starts to slide. Because when you backslide, you could grip, but right, the force of it is dragging you back down. And so, of course, by their own choices, it's going to drag them down and slide them away from what God wants them to be. Bob, the other. Yeah. And, and, and going along with Bob's point, as we've talked about in recent lessons, the Thessalonians, it says that they turn from idols to the true and living God. And, and that was one of the remarkable things. But, but you notice that as we get into, like, let's say, chapter 3, when Timothy brings back the report in chapter 4 and chapter 5 in the first chapter, the fact that Paul's going to encourage them to continue on and keep striving forward because he knows that. You know, if you just stay in place, you're going to slide back. You have to keep going forward. You can't be neutral. You don't get to a point in your faith where I'm good. I can just stop and relax. And, and you know, there's there's very dangerous concepts that we're taught in society that we can apply to our spiritual lives. And one that's been used as an example before is the concept of retirement. And um, I could tell you honestly, um, this year... I've thought about it a few times just because it's not been an easy year in some ways. And I know a lot of people have gone through that. But there's no such concept when it comes to our, our Christianity. We do what we can. We have to have the mind that Paul had. That I'm going to keep moving forward. I've not attained it yet. I'm going to keep going forward. And until I can do no more, I'm going to continue to do what the Lord wants me to do. Now, it may not be the same thing I used to do. Because there's things we can't control. But we can't have this concept well, you know, I, I'm not going to do anything anymore. We've had examples of elderly members of this congregation who continue to serve the Lord to the best of their ability. They may not be able to do what they used to do, but they attend, they pray, they study. They're a good example. And, 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 and that's what we need to, to fixate on, not this concept that we're going to go somewhere on an island or a palm tree and just relax and do nothing with us in our lives. That's not what we're made for. We're sojourners. We're trying... To influence people. And we're trying to make sure we and our brethren and families have an opportunity to have that eternal home when this life is over. Uh, anything else on this section? I just saw several hands. Bill. Well, and, and your point is well taken. I mean, this is pretty strong graphic language, how he describes them. I mean, and, and again, a people that consider themselves to be right before God and, and they're being compared. I mean, Think when you personalize it like that, and if someone told you, you know, you're you're acting just like a harlot, just like a whore would act. I mean, that's you'd be like you'd be offended by that. But that's exactly what God says about them and what they're doing. And and, and again, the frequency and as Denise brought up earlier, the lack of shame, how open this thing is. And and you know, we know. I mean, look what it says in verse three. Therefore, the showers have been what withheld. And there has been no latter rain. What do you think he means there? Is, is, is he punishing the people? That's clearly an indication that they're being punished for this, right? And, and what's the point of punishment? Well, it's part of God's justice because it's who he is. But, but what's another purpose of punishment? Correct, correct and change. That, that, that's right. 
And yet, and, and so, you know, you wonder sometimes if people who claim to know God even know this type of stuff is said in His Word. Right? I, I think of people that get offended by when God's Word is preached. And, you know, I mean, you read the Sermon on the Mount, and who, who's speaking in the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus is, right? And, and, and is, it, is there some rebuke in the Sermon on the Mount? Absolutely. But yet, again, people want to, you know, craft it and mold it into what they feel is acceptable and certainly not offensive. Right? Well, again, we could be offensive to God by, by acting as these people act. Clay, you have your hand up. Yes. Well, and, and, and Brother Bob Harding brought that up Sunday morning about the different uses of love in John 21. And, and sort of a similar thing in the sense that Jesus was trying to get Peter to see and got to the point, do you love me, Peter? And, and, and the three times we've talked about those things. And, and the use of the, the phrase plain talk, I can't help but think of Robert Turner, the old preacher. And that was the name of the publication he had. When I say publication, it wasn't sold, it was free. But, and he had some uh, radio broadcasts he did with us. And um, I listened several years ago to the first one. And from time to time, I'll listen to it again. And that's basically how he starts off. He says, you know, friends and neighbors, <laughs> as we talk about this, we're, we're going to speak plain talk, the Bible truths, you know, and before you get offended about it, just let's see what God's word says and, and then discuss it. And, and, and sometimes it's a matter of just pointing to what God's word says, you know, and, and we're not trying to uh, alleviate ourselves or responsibility to be disciples, but the Lord said it. Thus says the Lord. And the Lord has the right to say it. And who are we to say something different? And, and, and so I, I just appreciate your point about, again, it can be difficult sometimes. You know, as parents, we, we've had, all of us have had difficult conversations with, with, with our kids. But when you think about it in terms of what's the long-term consequence if I don't correct the behavior? Or if I don't say what needs to be said? Look down the road. And I've made this point several times. I, 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 I'll bring with me some time, and I know others can as well, and I'll show you what happens. I'll, I'll, it, it's, it's absolutely incredible, and it's sad, because, you know, these are, are, are immature kids who think that they're grown adults, and they're far from it. And, and so, again, the warning of the correction and the straightforwardness and the plain talk that needs to take place, and that, that's the way that the Lord's communicating to his people through his prophets. Anything else on this section? Shane. Well, and I, I really like your point, Shane, because, again, who do we surround ourselves with? And if they really love us, they could tell us the truth. Or are they just, you know, long for the ride? Um, I think of uh, the basketball player. There was a documentary several years ago in ESPN about athletes that blew millions and millions of dollars of their own money. And one was Allen Iverson. And, you know, the guy blew $60 million dollars. And, and one of the things he talks about is the entourage of friends, all the friends he had around him. Well, they didn't encourage him in, <laughs> because they were benefiting from it, right? They were, they were part of the entourage. They were going around having a good time. And um, it reminds me of the old Willie Nelson song, Guess What Happened When They Ran Out of Money? They Ran Out of Time, you know? And, and, and so uh, it, that's another reason why we need to be thankful for our brethren. And that's another reason why we need to be thankful for opportunities we gather together to study his word, 
to worship together. Because, again, we're supposed to be people that do care about each other enough that we're going to encourage. And then, if necessary, we're going to have those conversations. I, I noticed, brother, sister, you, you know, is everything okay? You haven't been here in a while. And then, and then talk about that. Because, as opposed to, well, we're just not going to say anything. We don't want to offend them. You know, so we're not going to say anything. Because, again, as the point's been made several times, we could be our own worst enemy. And, and I think we need to remember that. Anything else from the session? Brother Young. Brother Young makes a great point about alarms. How many of you have smoke detectors in your house? There's less than a check the battery on this. I'm talking about something. Okay. Uh, Shane, we have alarms here that are required, right? And it's, it's a whole whole thing. And like Brother Young said, if, if, if we ignore those alarms, <laughs> and then where that's going to lead us to. You know, and then of course, uh, we can get so used to the alarms going off that we don't pay attention to it anymore. You know? Uh, it, it's sort of like, you know, we do it so much, we have fire drills and earthquake drills, no one takes them seriously because, you know, the, the, these planned events. And, uh, one, one of the days which I despise of the year is uh, the great shakeout where you take out all, all the students like half an hour and just stand around doing nothing. You know, the, the half hour drives along. Okay, do you think that's the way it's going to be in a real life situation, by the way? You know, you think if there's a real event that that's, you know, we're just going to calmly walk out there and respond. And what Brother Young's talking about is what happens if we violate our conscience and we sear our, and we become callous of heart where we can't respond to, to the warnings they're giving us. And, and you ask people who have fallen from things, and it's interesting how they can go back to the timeline. They can tell you about all the stop signs they ran through, all the red lights they ran through, all the alarms they ignored. And, and again, if, if you're not here attending or you don't have interaction with brethren, you're ignoring possible alarms that could alert you to the fact that you may not be right. So I, I think Brother Young makes a tremendous point. Yes. Well, and, and, you're, and that's, that's the way that I saw that too. And that's why I call it an addiction. Because when someone's addicted to something, if you're addicted to alcohol or you're addicted to drugs or whatever, what are you thinking about all the time? You think about the next time you're going to get an opportunity to use those things. And, and then, and as, as Bob brought up earlier, who's in control then? You're not in control. You're, you're reacting to your addiction. And your whole life becomes feeding that addiction. And, and that's, that's a scary place. And again, you can get addicted to all sorts of things. So again, you know, the body... Our body being, you know, temple and the ability to control it. And what happens, like is talked about in this passage, if we allow it to become polluted. And if we don't, uh, as it said, run through the alarms and the stop signs. All right, good good discussion on that. Let's go to verse 6. The Lord, and, and, and so again, we see another uh, time marker here about Josiah still being king during this. The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. That, that's the point that Bill brought up about how open this was. And it was done everywhere. Verse 7. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister, Judah, saw it. All right, so, so it's sort of interesting because 
And, and, and Bob references earlier. So who's talked about in verse 6? Backsliding who? Israel, right? And, and that was the reference. So we know what's going to happen to Israel. And, and, and who saw their example? Judah did. Okay? So, 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 so that's the context of this. Now, even though Israel was backsliding and playing the harlot, what did the Lord offer? For them to return. But she did what? Did not return. Ran through, Brother Young, the alarms you talked about. Ignored them, right? Continuing on verse 8. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had what? Put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. So again, that you can go back and like read Deuteronomy 24. and You understand that, right? What it says there. Now, now look, look at this description. Yet her what? Treacherous. So, so notice it doesn't say yet her sister. It says what? Yet her treacherous sister, Judah, did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So what's the problem there? So what, what, did, what did Judah, what did they witness? They saw what Israel did. And what did they see happen to Israel? The consequence. What was the consequence? 94 years of captivity, and, and, and it fell, right? That's what they saw. But, <laughs> so, so do you see why they're more treacherous in that sense? Because they had an example right before their eyes, and yet they ignored it. And, and instead, it says, but went and played the harlot also. So, so again, there's a certain amount of stupidity that we could be engaged in when we see the consequences of something, then we go out and do the exact same thing. Okay, then it says in verse 9, so it came to pass through her what? What, what word is used next? Casual harlotry. Someone said our comment earlier, it sort of sounds like this, right? It sort of starts off as, oh, it's no big deal. And then it becomes more and more and more, right? Uh, you hear, for example, when they started legalizing things like marijuana. And by the way, think about it. Um, how did they legalize it? They didn't do it all at one time. When, when you're talking about sin, they didn't just say overnight, hey, we're going to legalize it. What did they do? It was done in increments, right? And so, so on the ballot, in a proposition in California, for example, okay, they legalized it first for what purpose? But this is all. Now, now, is there a certain amount of logic that goes behind that? A devious logic that goes behind it? Well, if it could be legalized for medicinal, when we think of medicine, what do we think about it? Well, it, 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 it must have some good use. It has a medicinal purpose, right? And, and, and if you ever looked at who was behind that, well, I know all of you would probably say Satan's behind that, which would be true. But the people behind that, when they drafted that, weren't people interested in medical care. They were people who wanted to legalize it for recreational use. You think about the opposite way, which is, this is how strange our society is. So as the use of marijuana has increased, what, what, what happened to smoking cigarettes in your lifetime? Some of those are older, right? Remember the, the smoking, smoke everywhere, then, then it became what? Smoking and non-smoking. Remember going to a restaurant, and some states still have that, right? A smoking or non-smoking. 
And then on flights, you had a smoking and non-smoking section of the flight. And then someone figured out, oh, wait a sec, we have secondhand smoke, so it can like, affect other people that aren't even smoking. So, so, so again, our society has this weird thing about, well, you know, we're going to ban this, but we're going to legalize this over here. And I think part of that was, was part of the uh, big evil tobacco companies, that whole uh, thing that was talked about. But anyway, getting back to the point here, because I only got the point. But the point is, is that, so they're compared as what here? Israel, Judah, they're, they're described as what? As sisters, right? And, and again, <laughs> we've all been parents and, and we know, you know, how you feel when your children don't do right. You know, we, we've, we've been in that situation. So continuing on, it says, um, I read verse 8, right? verse 9. So it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land. And committed adultery with what? Stones and trees. So what's that a reference to? Idols. Right? And we should be helped by our study of Isaiah with all the descriptions of idols and all the reasoning process. And we, we see it over and over again about, look, look at these things you're making. You, look, and God even challenges them this. Yeah, go to them. Plead with them. Let them save you in the time of trouble. Well, they can't because they have no power. These are things that they, they crafted. Verse 10, And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah has not what? Now notice this, Has not turned to me with her whole heart, but what? But in pretense, says the Lord. So what were they doing? Oh, oh, oh yes, Lord, we're following you. We're turning to you. <laughs> but again, what was God's view? No, and, and Denise, I really appreciate you bringing up that point for several reasons. Uh, Josiah was fighting the battle. He was trying. And we've seen patterns of kings trying to do that. Yet the leader was doing that, but the people were not turning from their ways. And as soon as Josiah's gone, they're back to where they were before because they were following what they wanted to follow. And, and, I, and I just want to end on this point, which goes with Denise is saying. If we're relying on a political leader or a movement to save this country, that's not going to happen. Because ultimately what? The people are going to get what they deserve. And, and you know, it's amazing to have these conversations. So what can we do? And we had, we had a discussion about this uh, the other day, me and uh, the elders. Our sphere of influence. What are our lives saying and, and how are we trying to influence? We could try to change hearts and minds one person at a time. And we're not trying to change them the way we think. We're trying to change the way that God wants them to think and behave. Why? Because we love them and because their soul's at stake. So, you know, right now, and we brought this up before, we see swings of the pendulum back and forth politically. And, and, and so I'm telling you right now, you know, some of us are going to feel good because November it's going to swing back a little bit, right? But in the grand scheme of things, the people are still, <laughs> there's still this battle going on. And, and again, we have an opportunity to be pleased with the Lord. And that's what counts. No one can touch that. No one can affect that, no matter what they do to us, if we choose to follow God. So next week, um, we'll briefly go over this section, but we pretty much covered it. But I'll open it up for comments, and then we will start off in uh, verse 11 next week, which again, you'll see that term backsliding again and sort of the same repeating of questions uh, as we've seen before, like, I will not remain angry uh, forever. That whole concept. And, and
and God does it. All right, so I appreciate all the comments tonight.